you know, and I think that comes, comes back to the Eucharist, you know, the Eucharist is something that is being transformed from bread and wine into something much better, the presence of our Lord. And so when we receive that, I think we're called to go out and to share what we have received, to, uh, to do good works, to, to share the gospel, to, um, to bring Jesus to other people, to do works of mercy, feeding, feeding the poor, feeding the hungry. I think that all of those spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and in addition, taking care of, uh, uh, of the planet are, are, are important. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Social Justice. My name is Danny, and I'm the host. This is part three of our creation justice series called The Cry of the Earth. In this episode, I speak with Father Scott Beyer about creation references in the liturgy. So we look at um, the Eucharist, of course, since it's the source and summit of our faith and as well as where the different elements like fire, water, earth, the earth and air show up in the rest of the life of the church. If you're enjoying this podcast and this series, do not forget to subscribe to Reclaiming Social Justice wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. So without further ado, here's Father Scott. Um, well, before we jump into the topic for today, um, I'd love just to hear how your summer's been going. Somebody asked me earlier um, this month, what's your favorite COVID-safe outdoor activity that you've done? And I, I thought that was a good question. So I wanted to ask that from you um, and see how you've been trying to enjoy your time in nature before all this crazy smoke and fire stuff was happening. I think as if I, if I think back, uh, I've had a few occasions to go out hiking and um, that has been very uh, clean air and uh, good views and good exercise. And in fact, just last Monday, right when the fires were whipping up with the wind, uh, I went hiking down near the Trappist Abbey um, in Lafayette. They have uh, more than a thousand acres there. Wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're really blessed with a lot of land. A lot of it's timber that they use for uh, uh, the upkeep and, and uh, uh, as revenue for the monastery there. But uh, we, we went hiking up and uh, we actually got off the trail. I don't know how we did necessarily. Um, they have a lot of old trails and we went off on one of, one of the old trails and worked our way up to the ridge and uh, some beautiful views um, uh, from there. We didn't really see any of the fires, but by the time I had, we'd hiked out, we probably did, did about seven miles that day. Wow. Uh, it, it was really a, a good, good day of exercise and the air was still good at that point. But when I got into Tigard at the end of the day, um, the winds had picked up and the smoke had been, um, it sort of inundated the air was starting to 
Yeah, actually for me too. I that day um was my son's that day that the wind started picking up was my son's um one year birthday. And we had already celebrated the day before. So I, I just wanted to take him to the park because it was really nice that day. This was last Monday. Um and so we did get the chance to celebrate the outdoors and the nice clear skies and air before all this happened. And so yeah, I'm grateful for that. And Given where we're at right now, it's important to remember those things, don't you think? I, I do. You know, I know I know the topic for today is creation. And, you know, these these forest fires remind us that we need to take good care of our our forests, you know, and of our climate. And, uh, you know, I, I hear I hear both things being ex- expressed as reasons for this. Uh, these forest fires, you know, you hear that it's 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 the climate. And certainly our climate is affected by pollution. Um, um, but also uh, that maybe our forests weren't being managed. Um, and there was a lot of maybe combustibles, or, you know, dead, dead, uh, dead debris in the forest that was really uh, set to go ablaze. And I don't know. I don't know the, the story, but this, this is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. <laughs> this is just a cry of the earth, literally. That's what this this podcast series is. It's, it's a cry of the earth, right? That we need to rethink and and um, our relationship with creation. And we need we need to not only rethink it, but we need to heal that relationship. And so um, that's why I wanted to talk to you today. Um, we're exploring this topic of creation, as you mentioned um, during this season of creation. Um, started by looking at the biblical foundations of this teaching um, and then talked about the Catholic social teaching on creation and the environment. Um, but with you, I wanted to talk about a slightly from a different uh, um, angle. I mentioned to you about a month ago, I was listening to a talk and the presenter mentioned how we can see church teaching of creation reflected in the liturgy. and. That that just was really interesting to me. I, I mean, obviously, we can see it in in the Eucharist, and but I, I never really thought about those other instances in the liturgy um, that speak about God's creation and speak about God through those references. Um, in fact, I found in the Catechism of paragraph eleven forty five, it says a sacramental celebration is woven from signs and symbols. In keeping with the divine pedagogy of salvation, their, mo- their meaning is rooted in the work of creation and in human culture. And in paragraph 1149, it continues by saying, God speaks to man through the visible creation. The material cosmos is so presented to man's intelligence that he can read the traces of its creators, of its creator. Light, darkness, wind and fire, water and earth, the tree and its fruit, speak of God and symbolize both his greatness and his nearness. So that's what I want to talk about today, those, those signs and symbols and what we can learn about God through creation, um, in particular in the liturgy, um, so that we can reach a deeper understanding of the environment and, and God himself. Um, and what I wanted to begin with, since it's probably the, the one folks are most um, familiar with, and it's the clearest example, in, in my opinion, is it's the Eucharist. Um, because as Pope Francis says, 
The Eucharist is taken up by God to become a means of mediating supernatural life. And so, so Father, can you talk to us about the Eucharist and how it should inspire and motivate our concern for the environment? Danny, well, I, I think just to back up just a, just a step to what you said about the sacraments, I think that was very good about how, um, you know, we, we have to remember that we as Catholics are a sacramental church, yeah. meaning that we're not just word alone. We have signs and symbols, as you said, that, you know, that, that uh, achieve the things that they signify. For instance, you know, the washing of water in baptism brings about a, uh, a true washing of the spirit through the Holy Spirit, the washing of the soul and uh, of the person. And uh, so, you know, we have water in baptism. We have oil in holy orders and in uh, confirmation. And then in the Eucharist, as you said, we've got bread and wine. And so we use these these signs that are material uh, that become tied up with the form of the uh, the words that are said, the word. And remember that in in, in uh, John chapter one, Jesus is the word. It's through him that uh, the, that God speaks, that God acts through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, um, you know, to to talk about your your question and to answer it, how does how does our concern for creation stem from the Eucharist? I think a great place to begin with that is uh, the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist. When we begin the liturgy of the Eucharist, the priest uh, approaches the altar and he picks up the bread and he says these words: "Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation." For through your goodness, we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. So we take, you know, ordinary bread Mm -hmm. um, and wheat bread, and that's the work of human hands. You know, wheat doesn't grow in the field. Wheat, Wheat grows in the field, but bread does not grow in the field. So we have to we have to take wheat grind it bake it mix it mix it with water bake it and then it becomes bread and uh, so it is the work of human hands but it's also something of creation and that's why the prayer says fruit of the earth and work of human hands it's something god has given us but then we have in a sense added to it we've refined it even further to make bread out of it and it is that that becomes um, the body of Christ. Um, we say the same thing with the wine. We say, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. For with your goodness, we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Wine doesn't grow anywhere. Grapes do. And we turn the grapes through fermentation and uh, into wine and through a process. And so it's the process of our work. You know, in a sense, that's that's what we're called to do in in the mat in the mass. It's we offer the work of the people to be transformed into the body of Christ. And so, if we connect that to this um, this topic of care for God's creation, when I'm hearing it, it almost takes me back to the book of Genesis, right? In those first two chapters, where um, 
God gives man the ability to to be to to keep and until creation, and that's what I'm hearing from from you in terms of the Eucharist that um, we take this piece of creation, not in and of itself, but it's it's creation that that man has has kept until then added to it, and then God takes it an even step further. Is that right? Yes, uh, I think that's I think that's accurate. Um, you know, just as in Genesis, as you mentioned, God says, "Fill the earth and subdue it." You know, um, in a sense, you know, you're, you're subduing the wheat by making it into into bread, mm. it into something even e- even more refined. And then, you know, God is able to accept what we do, our work. And he's able to, you know, in a sense, what we're offering is a sacrifice. Mm. We're offering the sacrifice of our work, you know. And so caught up in that offertory sacrifice is not just what went into making bread and wine. Right. But we offer to God everything that we are, you know, all the sweat, all the tears, all the suffering that of our work for that week. You know, and when you think of work, you don't just think of your nine to five job. You think of everything you have done that week to build up the kingdom of God as that is offered to God, that is glorified. It's transformed into uh, the body of Christ. And when you say it's transformed, it's glorified. Well, can you can you maybe unpack those two th- two those two terms? Because I think it, it it's in the in in the Catholic world that means very different things than um, what it might mean in, in kind of the regular world when we say that it's to transform something to glorify something. You're right. It's not a symbol at all. I mean, it is an actual transformation that happens. You know, Jesus takes the body, he takes the bread, and it becomes his body. As he says, take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. And with the the wine, take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Those are the words of institution that we say, you know, Jesus is changing this bread and wine, the work of human hands and the fruit of creation into himself, into his own body. And so it's not symbolic. It is a true transformation that happens. The bread is no longer bread. It is his body. The wine is no longer wine, it is his blood. Now, what's really interesting about this, and St. Augustine touches on this, is that we are also the body of Christ. You know, St. Paul speaks about this. We are, we are Christ's body. We are what is called the mystical body of Christ. Uh, that's another name for the church. You know, the church is not just a building. The church is the people of God. We are the church. We know this. When we talk about the body of Christ, we're receiving Jesus, but we are also present there in the body of Christ. We are there. Our, our glory, in a sense, sort of a, there's a better version of ourselves that we receive when we receive the Eucharist. Um, Abbot Jeremy Driscoll, who uh, 
was one of my professors in the seminary, he, he would often say um, that when you go to Mass, you sort of enter into the future uh, because you're receiving, um, and, and this is a weird thought, it's sort of difficult to understand, difficult to explain too, but you know, it's like you're receiving who you are when you receive the Eucharist. And so maybe this is tied up then, we could say, in the new heaven and the new earth, you know, um, the glorified um, earth and the glorified heaven is, is, is sort of present there in the Eucharist too. We're receiving that. And so, you know, when I think when we receive the Eucharist, we receive the best version of ourselves. We receive Jesus Christ. Uh, we receive the whole body of Christ. And that should instill in us a desire to do good to others, to the environment, to all of creation, to um, be good stewards of what we have received. Some people um, in the church might not know that um, the, the celebrant, the priest, has a, a number of options when um, they're doing the the consecration and, and to um, consecrate and, and transform the the bread and wine into our our Lord's um, body and blood. Can you tell us about those different prayer options and um, the, the the references to creation there? There are some. There's after after the offertory. There's a uh, a proper prayer for the day that is said. And after that, there's what's called the preface. And the prefaces usually follow the same form every time. And uh, one of the prefaces deals specifically with creation. That's the fifth preface in uh, for Sundays. It's entitled Creation. Now, the prefaces always begin, the Lord be with you. And the people say, and with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord, say the people. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. The people say, it is right and just. Then the preface begins, as most all the prefaces do, by saying, it is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. But then it, it delves into this idea of creation. For you laid the foundations of the world and have arranged the changing of times and seasons. You formed man in your own image and set humanity over the whole world and all its wonders to rule in your name over all you have made and forever praise you in your mighty works through Christ our Lord. You know, this preface speaks about um, the history of the universe. You have laid the foundations of the world. Um, it talks about the rhythms of, of, uh, of life. You have arranged the changing of times and seasons. That we are, in fact, created in, in God's image and likeness. And that we have been made stewards of, of creation. You have set humanity over the whole world in all its wonder to rule in your name or over all you have made. I think that's a key, key point right there, to rule in your name. We're not ruling in our own name. You know, we can't just do whatever we want. We have to do what the Lord would ask of us. Uh, I think that's a really important point to 
to emphasize, right? Because um, that's probably one of the more confusing parts of this teaching on creation is what some might see as a as a disconnect or a tension between what we teach, which is you know that we are that we are not to, we're not we are not to lord over per se creation and to exploit it for um, exclusively our individual needs but we are to do it in his name and we are to to keep and till it to preserve it for um for other people and for future generations yes you know i think people sometimes can get the wrong idea about what it means to subdue the earth and um we're stewards as as you said we're stewards uh, god God is the owner. He's the owner of the vineyard, and we are we are the the workers. We're the we're the stewards. Um, and just like that, the parable of the dishonest steward. You know, we don't want him to come to us and say, you know, prepare an account of your stewardship because uh, I'm going to find somebody more trustworthy to take care of the earth. So you 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 told us about the the preface. So what what are the what else? Can you continue with the what with the other prayers and um, and I think you mentioned to me before in a prior conversation about this this kind of unused or, or not used too often prayer, the, the fourth Eucharistic prayer. Yes. So the fourth Eucharistic prayer is really a, a prayer that speaks of the history of salvation. It begins with with also just sort of a, a reflection in the preface. It has its own proper preface. Um, but also as the Eucharistic prayer begins too, it, it speaks about how man was formed and what our role was in, in the beginning of creation. So for instance, um, that preface for Eucharistic prayer four says, uh, it is truly right to give you thanks, truly just to give you glory, Father most holy. For you are the one living, one God living and true existing before all ages and abiding for all eternity, dwelling in unapproachable light. Yet you, who alone are good, the source of life, have made all that is, all that is, so that you might fill your creatures with blessings and bring joy to many of them by the glory of your light. So here, you know, for instance, it says creatures, fill your creatures with blessings. It's, uh, you know, we are God's creatures, human beings, but when, when you use that word creatures, you're also referring to the deer and the dogs and the, the whales and the dolphins. And so God is mindful, um, in a way, of, of all of creation. And, you know, it's God that causes the trees to grow. It's God that causes, you know, the animals to grow as well. So... They are, um, they, they receive his blessing as well. And so in your presence are countless hosts of angels who serve you day and night and gazing upon the glory of your face glorify you without ceasing. So he has created even the invisible creation, angels. And then as the Eucharistic prayer begins, it says, uh, we give you praise, Father most holy, for you, have, for you are great and you have fashioned all your works in wisdom and love. So, I mean, that way, in that way, you think of all of creation from even like the parts of creation that we don't really admire that much, like spiders and snakes and whatever. All those two were fashioned in wisdom and in love. Uh, that may be a mystery to all of us, but 
that that that's there. You formed man in your image and entrusted the whole world to his care. So there again, there's that trust thing. God has entrusted the whole world to us. We can't just do with the world whatever we want. We need to think about what would God want me to do with the world. And, um, you know, especially as you say, you know, we are entrusted with giving this planet to a future generation. I, you know, Danny, like a lot of people have the, the, the mindset, and they're right, that we as Christians are passing through. Uh, we're passing through this earth on our way to a new heaven and a newer. And so I think there are some people who think, well, it doesn't matter what we do to this earth because I'm on my way to heaven. And, you know, but the thing they're not thinking about is that there are future generations and we don't know how many future generations until the Lord returns before um, that are going to have to live with the consequences of, of, of what we do and the way we treat the earth today. And so I think that this whole idea of God entrusting the, um, the world to man's care it, it is very important. And, you know, this continues, so that in serving you alone, the creator, he might have dominion over all creatures. So I think we just really have to have that perspective that, you know, we're not just taking care of the earth just to take care of the earth. We're doing so because God has entrusted us with it. Just as though, you know, if, if somebody entrusted you with their house for, for a summer, you know, you would take good care of it if you wanted to remain friends with them. Right. Yeah. And actually, um, during this, the, our Catholic social teaching webinar, uh, one of our, our guest speakers, I don't know, I don't remember if you, you were present in, in this in the last session, but um, Ugo, who is a young adult from the Hispanic community at St. Anthony, made a beautiful parallel between being an immigrant in a foreign country, um, like the United States, like if you're, if, you're from, if you're from Mexico and you are, you've immigrated to, to the United States, um, he talked about how that it's like being a guest in someone's house, like you said, right? When you're a guest in someone's house, um, you, you want to leave it not only as you found it, but better. And that to me was a, as a beautiful parallel with how we are to care for the earth, right? We're supposed to, yes, um, leave it as we, as we found it, um, uh, while we were quote unquote passing through this world, but we're also, um, meant to, um, to till it and keep it so that it's better in an even better environment for our children their children and so on and so forth you know and i think that comes comes back to the eucharist you know the eucharist is something that is being transformed from bread and wine into something much better the presence of our lord and so when we receive that i think we're called to go out and to share what we have received to uh, to do good works, to to share the gospel, to um, to bring Jesus to other people, to do works of mercy, feeding feeding the poor, feeding the hungry. I think that all of those spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and in addition, taking care of uh, uh, of the planet, are 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 important. You mentioned earlier, Danny, that. Uh, there were some parts of Laudato Si that you thought 
fit in with uh Pope Francis speaks about the, the liturgy and he mentions some of the things that we've talked about right now about about the Eucharist, but he also talks about um Sunday, right? As as keeping the Lord's Day holy. In paragraph 237 of La Si, it says, the law of weekly rest forbade work on the seventh day so that your ox and your donkey may have rest and the son of your maidservant and the stranger may be refreshed. And that's quoted from um, Exodus chapter 23, verse 12. And the Pope goes on to say, rest opens our eyes to the larger picture and gives us renewed sensitivity to the rights of others. And so the day of rest centered on the Eucharist sheds its light on the whole week and motivates us to greater concern for nature and the poor. Um, And so I I think that's really interesting, especially that reference to Exodus um, of how like we ourselves are are called to rest, um, but also the things that God's given us, right? Like which uh, uh, in biblical times that might, or even in modern day times, you know, is, is the, the animals that we've been given, whether it's a cow, sheep, chickens, um, if we have a maid, like they, these, these things too, these, these creatures too are called to keep holy the Lord's day by resting, right? And so what are some more modern day examples of how we can, you know, have our, our ox and our donkey and our maidservants and the strangers rest as well so that they too may be refreshed? Well, you think like... Uh... I think there are uh, there are times I think uh, like oh I'm going to go to a restaurant on a Sunday because I'll rest there and I can really treat myself and I'll rest. But then the waiter and the cooks and they all have to work. They're like the maid. They become the maid servant. And and not only that, they can't go to church because they have to work on Sunday. And so you know, I mean, there was a time before you and I were born here in the United States where uh restaurants weren't even really open on Sundays in many places and or or stores were closed on Sundays and uh I think that's something we've lost and i I don't foresee anytime soon that that going back to that, but I think for me personally, I have a hard time going to a restaurant on a sunday um or even even I admit like fueling up my car with gas, I try to fill it up. If I notice I'm getting low, I'll fill it up on on Saturday, even if I've got you know some to spare, because I don't want to have to fill up on Sunday, and it sort of requires some poor thinking, because you know there are times we need things on Sunday, and it's like well in an emergency I can I can go to the store, but I don't want to promote a culture that um, doesn't allow other people to rest on on the Sabbath. Um, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier in in this conversation, um, where you mentioned all these different elements. You know, you mentioned like the oil to consecrate um, priests and religious, um, and the water for for baptism. Um, what are some of the other uh, elements and and the other places that these elements show up in the life of the church? Well, again, we're a sacramental church, and so we use things of creation to um, make real the experience of our prayer and through which the Holy Spirit can act many times. So, you know, we divide between sacraments, of which there are seven, and, and the sacramentals. So 
And, and the sacramentals are, are some of the things like the candles we have at Mass that are, are beeswax candles. And uh, so, you know, again, you've got this, this thing that's sort of like, you know, we don't have light bulbs on the side of the, the uh, altar. We have candles. And so we have this, this fire that we have is just very elemental. And, you know, I, I think when we see fire, we, we think about like the beginning of time and we think of the end of all things. And there's, um, there's just something very primal about fire. And, and then in water, the water of baptism, you know, again, we have something just very elemental, very, um, you know, you think of earth, fire, water, and wind. And uh, the four the four elements in, in in that that were considered at one time to be so important. I, I think about to me like the most example the 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 best example that I could think about about this question in the life of the church is is really all of Lent and 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 uh, and Easter season as well. Like, what what are some of those um, the the those elements that we can see used? In this in this season of Lent and Easter, well, in Lent, beginning of Lent on Ash Wednesday, we have the uh, the, the signing of the ashes, the cross on the forehead with the ashes, uh, repent and believe in the gospel, or uh, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You know I, that says it all right there. That um, it's just so very from from the. From the dust of creation, we have been created, and we will return to dust, our bodies will, before the resurrection of the body, when we become in heaven our glorified selves. And then, you know, we have incense um, on, uh, on Sundays, especially during, during Easter. At Easter, we would have incense. That incense symbolizes the, the prayers, our prayers that rise with the smoke towards heaven. Um, sweet smelling, again, affecting the senses. We have uh, bells that are rung during the mass, sound, uh, pleasing to the ears. What about, what about Easter vigil, Father? I, and my favorite part of that, of, of that liturgy is when we move from the 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 fire outside and you know we we each have our own candles and we slowly start processing into the church and um slowly the uh, the the lights of the church start to turn on what does that symbolize well i think it's a movement from in a way it reminds me of like the beginning of creation you've got this just like spread of light that you go from darkness and then of course the light symbolizes the light of christ that's what's sung as you enter the church the light of christ and and that light spreads throughout the whole church and then at the at the gloria really the candles are lit on lit on the altar as well all the lights then are lit and the lights are on at the gloria you know so that that that's um, a coming alive of who we are in faith 
in Christ. And you're right, it's always such an, an amazing experience when we do that at Mass, um, at the Easter Vigil, because, you know, you're going from darkness to light. I think it symbolizes going from an emptiness to glory. Again, you asked me at the beginning of this podcast, you know, what do you mean by glory? Uh, Father Pascal Shaleen, who was a monk at Mount Angel, he used to say about people when they would go to heaven and say, they went to glory. You went to glory. And, you know, I think we talk about our glorified selves and glory. Um, I think, you know, glory is being just so full of light, full of grace, being um, beyond sin, beyond evil, beyond darkness just so full of, of life and light and God's love and grace that no evil can enter in. It's just full, full of glory. I think that's, a, that's one of my takeaways, at least, from this conversation. Um, and, and as I draw us to a close here, Father, how, how about you? You know, we've, we've shared a lot. We've gone from, you know, talking about the Eucharist to, to Sunday rest and... Um, how the different elementals show up in the rest of the life of the church, like it during um, Lent and Easter. Um, but how might you recap this conversation? What, what, what can we learn in summary about caring for God's creation from the liturgy? You know, I think the key point for me, Danny, is that we have been entrusted with uh, the earth, with all of creation. You know, the, that fourth Eucharistic prayer makes that really clear. The fifth uh, preface on creation also makes that clear. That, but 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 as do church documents, you know that um, we can't just do with creation whatever we want. You know we're the stewards for you know, God willing, eighty years of our lifetime or a hundred years of our lifetime or maybe only forty five years, and you know just to consider that. We don't know how long the earth will continue until Christ returns and, and calls us all to himself. And so, you know, when we think about some of the things like, like climate change or nuclear waste or um, our oceans, you know, how do we keep them in, 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 in good, good care um, for future generations? to continue to, to, to live and to use and, and to use well. I mean, I think I said, I said before that there are some people who say, you know, it doesn't matter how we treat the earth because um, we're just passing through. And eventually the whole earth will be um, basically, you know, if, if, if you read, if you, if you have the understanding of, of of the book of Revelation, that the whole earth will be destroyed at the end, sort of made new. So some people see see it as well. What's the point in caring for creation? There's the greater the greater importance is is caring for um, one another and for our faith. But we have to remember that you know our actions here um, in caring for the world and impact people all over the world. And there are people in, in uh, the poorest parts of India, Africa, uh, China, who um, may suffer 
not to mention here in the United States, may really suffer from the decisions we make about how, how to care for the earth. And so I think we have to remember that we've been entrusted with this earth. And so we need to do what God would do in caring for this earth and not just do what we would want for ourselves in this moment. We need to have his perspective. And in order to have that perspective, we have to rest with him. We have to, we have to find time to rest with God and to enjoy creation and to sit back and say, it is good. Yes. Well, I think that's a, that's a great way um, to end, Father. Um, thank you for your time and for sharing your wisdom on this topic. Um, I'd love if you could, we didn't open in prayer, which we probably should have, um, but would you please close us in prayer and with your blessing? Yes. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty Father, we give you thanks for um, all of creation. You have entrusted with us with this earth, with this universe, to be its stewards. And we ask you that you guide us well to, um, to manage creation, uh, following your Holy Spirit, uh, showing care for all we encounter. Uh, we ask this through Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, that wraps up part three of this Creation Justin series called The Cry of the Earth. Thank you again, Father Scott, for sharing your knowledge about the creation references in the liturgy. In the next episode, I speak with Nicholas Shaw, our music director, about the familiar songs that are talking about creation and also newer songs about the environment that were created in celebration of the Pope's encyclical Laudato Si. Don't forget to subscribe to Reclaiming Social Justice wherever you listen to podcasts and then share it on your social media and with your friends and family so more people can tune in. Until next time, stay safe. Make sure you're still practicing social distancing and remaining hopeful while pursuing social justice. Take care.